The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. You don't want it. You don't need it. But you're going to get it anyway. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Here's Kevin. All right, I'm here. Tommy is here. We're putting this podcast out, by the way, before Eric Bieniemy holds his press conference today. I'll have reaction to that tomorrow, actually, with Cooley. Somebody did um, suggest to me that I tease Cooley too much and I don't deliver as much on him. Uh, when I tease him, it's because he's actually suggested that he'll be available. And he said he would be available tomorrow uh, to talk about Eric Bieniemy, uh and the hiring of him. And then we'll also have the press conference to talk about. And then Tommy will weigh in on whatever Eric Bieniemy says today on Tuesday. But I do want to start uh, by reading uh, this review that we got from the podcast Scrutinizer on Apple. Only Kevin and Tom can make me glued to a conversation about pinball machines. Y'all are great to listen to, especially at work. Keep it up. Uh, thank you very much for that. Uh, you can rate us and review us. Yes, thank you. Do that wherever uh, you have the opportunity to do it, um, especially on Apple and Spotify. That is um, really important. Also, uh, Neil in Rockville, after our show on Tuesday, sent me immediately a picture of the Trader Joe ginger snaps that he said his wife hides from him because she likes them so much. Yeah, those Trader <laughs> Joe ginger snaps are the absolute best. Um, and, yeah, they come in this incredible plastic container. And what did he write? He said, yeah, he said, my wife, uh, my wife hides them in the pantry um, uh, so, that I, so that I, meaning Neil, don't eat them all. Yeah, there's something about, you know, taste of food is great. Does texture of food get you as well? Does that hit your, you know, that in, raise the level of endorphins or whatever those things are called? Well, I think that's more of a turnoff for me than an attraction. I, I don't eat a lot of foods because of the texture rather than eating a lot of foods because of the texture. So texture plays into, into uh, comes into play. Um, what kind of texture of food is a, is a problem for you? Well, I don't like the texture of tomatoes. I don't either. I don't, I don't like the texture. I don't so either. I, I don't. But I like tomato sauce. I love tomato paste. Uh, you know, me too. I eat a lot of stuff with you know all kinds of tomato sauce, but but I don't like the texture. And most people don't. They like tomatoes. Most people do. 
God, Tommy, we, you know, we've been doing this together now for a long time. I mean, coming up on like 15 years, I don't think we have ever talked about our mutual distaste for tomatoes. I don't eat tomatoes either. I eat everything tomato-y, like you described, but I can't stand the texture of tomatoes, and I will take them off sandwiches, off burgers. I say specifically when I order something, no tomatoes, always. So do I. Um, Always. I actually don't even really like the taste of tomatoes, which is really fascinating considering that everything that tomatoes produce, I love. Yes, me too. Me too. And, and you know what? People who like tomatoes look at you like you have two oh, heads. My, my wife all the time. She's like, just give I mean, yeah. I take tomatoes off of everything, and I just hand them to her, and she eats yeah. the tomatoes. I, I think there are many like us with, uh, as it relates to tomatoes. Now, the reason I asked you about texture is that these, these Trader Joe ginger snaps, they actually have, like, they're already kind of, um, well, ginger snaps typically aren't. Molasses cookies or, you know, some derivation of of ginger sometimes can be very soft. But ginger snaps tend to be kind of hard and crunchy. But these ginger snaps, if you hit it in the right spot, there's a little bit of chewiness to them because there's like little chunks of ginger in the cookie. And And then I freeze, you know, everything sweet. And so, I don't know, man, there's something about the texture, and it's like when you get done with one, you're like, I shouldn't eat another seven of these. But then the texture takes over, and you just like the way that you chew it or the way it feels in your mouth. I don't know how all that stuff works, you know, but it is, you know, dopamine when it comes to, is that the uh, thing, the 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 the, the part of the, the uh, pleasure center? Whatever that is. That cookie does it for me. You know what else does it for me? <laughs> peanut M&M's do it for me. Like I, peanut M&M's, um, especially frozen, the, the, the whole kind of letting them melt and then just getting to the peanut part, mm, it's great. It's awesome. Uh, lots of sports to talk about today, I guess. Uh, thank you for the... <laughs> for the review and don't forget to let me, let me just, re- review us on Apple and Spotify. Let, yes, go ahead. Let me just point out to the person who admonished you, uh, uh, those who admonish you about promoting Cooley, in that particularly in this business, there's a thing called the truth in the moment. Okay? We deal with this all the time. At the moment that you say something, that was true. Yeah. It may not turn out to be true, but it was true when you said it. It was true when you wrote it, and it didn't turn out to be the case. I deal with this a lot. You know what? You definitely do. I think we I think we do too. But when it's written, you know, people can go back and pull it up a lot easier and yeah. say, You were dead wrong about this. But a lot of times in the moment, you actually had yeah. it right. Um you know, and and by the way, a lot of the situations we discuss are dynamic. They're fluid, especially for you in the reporting end of a, of, of the business. I mean, I see this with you know, especially with all of the beat reporters that cover the football team. I see it all the time where they will get th- they'll put things out there, and then you know, by the way, in this day and age, nobody even re- remembers if you got it right or wrong because social media just I think has taken sort of the um, 
the luster off being first or being right, and in my opinion, anyway. But um, the uh, y- you'll you'll see people crushing them for getting it wrong. But I know because I had kind of similar information that they had it right when they reported it, when they said it, even if it's yeah. like only a day or two earlier. Because the situation yes. that they're covering is pretty fluid. It's pretty it's it's always changing. Like they can get stuff from Ron Rivera or from Jason Wright or from you know other people in the organization that are sources and th- they'll tell them something and in that moment that's exactly what they're planning on doing and then 2 days later it completely changes. But whatever. Yes. Um you know so I think that's what that's your situation with promoting Cooley. I mean when you promote him that's 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 what's going to happen. And things change. Yes, but the truth of the matter is, as Ron Rivera likes to say, he says that a lot, the truth of the matter. Um, the truth of the matter is that a lot of times when I say that, I do believe based on a conversation that he's going to be available. But I also know right. by the way he kind of said it or the way he texted it that there's a chance he might not make it. So I am taking advantage of the information in the moment. The problem is, is if I were to really dig deep into interpreting that information, uh, I would I would probably put the odds sometimes at like 50-50. But I'm not going to take a 50-50 <laughs> opportunity and not turn it into a tease. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, God. Um, I wanted to read this quick email um, to start. Uh, I think I read something that was kind of similar yesterday or the day before. I forget. And it is somewhat complimentary, but there is a but typically with these things. And this this one came from Cal. Kevin, I really appreciate that when you don't have a strong opinion, you say it. Not sure how many in your line of work do that. It's refreshing, but, and here comes the but. It seems with this organization in the last few years, Other than, and this was very nice of him to say, your excellent game recaps on Mondays, you are just less opinionated than you used to be about the football team. I I, I read that last night, I think, and I just said, you know what? I think he's right. And I... I can't put my finger on like specific examples other than I know the one he's talking about here recently, and that is my view on Eric Bieniemy, And that is, I just threw up my arms the other day with you, too. And I said, I have no idea. It's wait and see. And I said, as we were talking about through this, I know you, you know this as well, but I don't think you do this either. Sometimes I think you do it more than I do it. But like Colin Cowherd is the king of taking a side. It doesn't matter if he believes in it or not. He takes a side with conviction. He finds enough data out there to support it, and he goes hard after it. And a lot of people think that in this business, that's what you're supposed to do. I've never done it that way. You and I never, ever did a show where we said, you take that side, I'll take this side. Never. It was always whatever we really thought. A lot of times we agreed. A lot of times we disagreed. You know, some people will say disagreement among talk show hosts is better content. I don't necessarily agree with that. 
I understand why it's better content and it appeals to more people because, you know, you've got, you're appealing to more of the audience who are kind of split on certain things to begin with. So somebody's out there saying, I agree with Tommy. Somebody's out there saying, I agree with Kevin versus if we're both on the same page, half of the people saying they suck. They don't know what they're talking about. And then half of the people saying maybe they agree. But my, I, you don't, do you do that in columns? I think you've done that before together on this I've podcast on radio that. show. Never, never done that. I couldn't, I, I'm not capable of that. I couldn't do that. And that is not even close, not even possible. I couldn't just present something just because, you know, it's the other side or, or just the opposite of what everyone else is thinking if I didn't believe it. I don't think that that's what you do. I think sometimes what you do is you get an idea, and it may not have really been something that you were strongly convicted about, but you know it'll make a good column. Never. Never. never I never do that. All right. You can think that, but I never do that. Um, and look, at the idea that, that, you know, on talk shows, differing opinions make the show better I mean, the other extreme, and you've had shows like this in the past, uh, some have been successful, uh, where, uh, you know, the, the one host would parrot everything the other host said. I mean, there was, there was uh, Mike and Mike, we used to call same and samer. Right. Yeah. You know? And there are shows like that, where the guy says, yeah, all the, like, when the other host says, yeah, you're absolutely right, all the time. Right. Right. That, so that, that's, that's not good. No, especially when you kind of sense that the person is just agreeing because they just want it not to become an argument or confrontational. They don't really believe it. No, you're right. There, there are some of those. But um, anyway, I, I, I think specific to, to Washington, I do kind of feel that way. Like, I, I don't know. I think I was... Um, like, I'm just thinking about the big moves. Like, Carson Wentz, I definitely absolutely bashed the trade, but I said with respect to him playing, it might be better than what they've had. That's not a neutral position, but it was more of a hopeful position maybe on the performance. Like, with Eric Bieniemy, I do think I may be more hopeful than optimistic, if that makes sense. Well, like, look, like, look. Let's get back to the heart of the matter. It's hard to judge this football team based on the fact that it's this football team. It's hard to make judgments that you might make for most other organizations because of the unknown of, of the chaos. And so, I mean, you don't, you don't know it's coming, but you know something's coming. And it's going to throw a monkey wrench into, you know, what should be a developing situation that could work out well. Okay, so it's hard to judge the moves of this football team. For me, now it doesn't seem too hard to judge, you know, from the cheerleading squad that, that, that's out there. But for me, I don't see how you can judge any move with this football team without the caveat that's saying nothing ever works. Yeah, well, that's true. That's true. I, I think so. How so? It's it's hard to say. I mean, you know that you know Eric Bieniemy will be successful because even if he's good, 
you know something's going to get in the way. Yeah, I mean, maybe that'll be changing here soon enough with new ownership. But no, yes. in in yes. the in the past, of course, it's like you know, you even I mean, part of the reason that I've always said, by the way, very strongly convicted on this, they'll never win as long as Dan owns the team. I mean, they may have a season here or there that they're competitive and they may even make the playoffs, but they'll never actually be a winner is because even because we've had too many examples of even when things actually could be, you know, in the works, like, you know, the Shanahan regime and all of the coaches they had in the building and all of the brilliant intellect, football intellect they had in the building. You just, you know, we know that somehow, even if you've got a chance, he would step in and ruin it somehow, you know, with that particular situation specific to the relationship that he developed with RG3 and ended up picking RG3 over, you know, basically 45 future head coaches in the league that were all in his building. Yes. Um, yes. But, you know, and, and that's one of the things that when ownership changes – I think for the first time in every bit of 10 to 12 years anyway, because I don't know how strongly. Since the Shanahan, for, for me, since the Shanahan era. Yeah. Began. When the Shanahan era ended, I, was, I remember saying, I'm done. Um, but I've said that several times. But at least we won't have to suspend reality with the caveat right. of he owns the team. Even if it looks good, it won't, won't, it won't turn out that way because he'll, he'll mess it up somehow. You know, whether it's him directly or somebody he hires or whatever, he, he, he is self-destructive when it comes to that. Even when he actually because, has a good thing, he's, he's not rec- he can't recognize it. That's why it's hard to have opinions on the product on the field because he, sometimes you feel like an idiot, you know, making those, those judgments or those predictions or getting excited about it when, you know, the, the, the anvil is going to on your head at some point. How much do you think it has to do with the fact that I'm not as passionate about the team as I used to be? I th- it probably has a lot to do with it. How much do you think working with me has had an impact on that? What do you mean? In other words, how much, I mean, you know, I mean, basically, uh, I mean, I've had this position for quite a while, uh, and uh, uh, I mean, you hear it all the time from me, and you know a lot of fans hate it. Uh, but I'm just wondering if 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 you worked with a different host, uh, if you might be if you might not be uh, if you might be more more willing to have strong opinions about the success of this team. Now, I'm going to do what you do to me when. I pose a similar question. I'm just going to say, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't even really listen to you that much. And I, <laughs> and I, I certainly, there's no chance that you could actually influence me as much as you, as much as you think you could. Um, that would be your answer okay, back I to me. I just threw that out there. I know. I no, just threw I, that I, out I, there. Honestly, I, I don't, I think you and I always come from different perspectives on this team because yes. I was a fan. I am a fan still, just not as big of a fan. I mean, and really, you know, like with a lot of us, it just the, 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 the fandom was just sucked out of us after all of these years. Totally understandable. 
So my perspective's always been different. You know, you're 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 not a fan of the team. You're super objective right. when it comes to the team. Now we both benefit, and this is always the funny thing about the criticism that comes your way or my way when we are negative, as if this is what we want to be. No, it, we would benefit much more, as we've described over yes. the years, if they actually were a functional team that won a lot. And it would, it would produce right. a lot more in revenue for the both of us. But, but we don't have that. So we have sort of settled in as a, the fan base I'm talking about. And then you, as, as a media member covering the team, into this expectation that all will go wrong, with the exception of, like you said, the, the, the people, the small group of people out there that, you know, will still spend every last cent on the team right. and, and think that they do do no wrong and want to tell you that you're wrong about the enemy and wrong about Wentz. And I mean, I can't tell you how many people I know have reached out to me to say they thought I was, too, we were way too negative about the enemy. And I guarantee you, cause I recognize some of the, the handles, they're the exact same people that for all of last off season into the early portion of the season, were saying the same thing about our position on Wentz. Yeah. exact yeah. same people. I'm sure. Um, Probably, but uh, I don't. I I think that look. I don't even. I I I'm not, I'm not keeping score on this. I know when I have a strong opinion, and and you as well. It's like you can definitely hear it in our voices. Uh, you can definitely hear it in Tommy's voice because it goes up an <laughs> octave or, or four. But I but I definitely think you. I mean, I can't. The enemy thing to me, the whole thing is a mystery. It's a mystery. The only part of it, as I emphasized the other day, that's not a mystery is that unlike many of you who described it as landing the big fish, they didn't land anything, okay? He he didn't have any other options. And maybe they didn't have a lot of other options either. You know, I forget if I read this to you, and I, I'm, it's going to be hard for me to go find it now, but... Somebody sent me something the other day, and I forget if I read this with you on Tuesday or if I did it yesterday on the show, that essentially said, um, uh, let me see if I can find it here because I cut and pasted it and put it into, yeah, here it is. Uh, I didn't do this with you. This dude, Victor, tweeted me, I appreciate your honesty on the hiring of Eric Bieniemy. blah, blah, blah. Same thing kind of the other guy said. Um, he... he it's pretty obvious that Washington was the only place willing to take a chance on him other than the Chiefs maybe. But looking at it the other way, is it possible that Washington too didn't have many options other than Bienemy? That's something we really didn't talk about the other day. You know, by the way, the other thing we didn't talk about is how many of those jobs that Bienemy didn't get offered. Maybe it's because Bienemy wouldn't have wanted that job. I mean, we didn't take that into consideration either, which is fair. Somebody pointed that out. It's possible that he wasn't offered the job because after the, after the interview, he basically told them, don't offer me the job. I'm not interested in being here. Because there are a lot of teams that, you know, even for the first opportunity to be a head coach, probably wouldn't be the right one. But how many options did Washington have? Well, maybe Shermer and Zampezi. But it's possible Greg that they Roman? didn't. <clears throat> I don't know. Greg Roman. I don't know if that was an option they, for him. They interviewed him, didn't they? They did. did they interview him. How do you know that? How do you know that Roman would have accepted? Well, that's true. You don't know, but he, he doesn't have a job right now. No, he doesn't. And and it, it would seem like what what 
what, at least on the day when Ron Rivera has talked about this, as opposed to the other days, about running the ball, uh, it would seem like Greg Roman would have been a perfect fit for what they wanted to do. Yeah. Uh, right, but maybe Greg Roman got in there with, you know, Ron talking about, you know, in the first part of the meeting talking about being a run team and then talking about how he'd like a quick passing game and, and, and a good drop-back quarterback, <laughs> and he really liked to rain bombs down on other teams. You know, Roman was as confused as we've been with Ron over the years yes. and said, yeah, yeah I don't Same really day. want this gig. By the way, you know, um, uh, yesterday I did a lot on the Lamar Jackson stuff. There's been a lot on – and something that I didn't mention on the podcast yesterday because I don't think I saw it until the end. Chris Trapasso from CBS Sports um, actually did a mock draft yesterday, and he had a mock trade with Lamar Jackson going to Washington as well. So we've now – you know, Mike Florio has a hunch that Washington's, you know, uh, the sleeper team, if you will – for Lamar Jackson, and then Trapasso had a trade with Baltimore basically getting two firsts, two seconds, and a third from Washington for Jackson. No, I don't think it's going to happen. Yes, I have seen the odds on Lamar Jackson's landing spot for Washington increase over the last 48 hours. It's true. But the one reason that I, that I thought it was just interesting, even though I do not think it'll happen, is that Greg Roman was here, oh, you know, 10 days ago, nine days ago. And who knows why he was here. Maybe it's because there was a possibility that Lamar Jackson was going to end up here. Maybe it was Washington just on a fact-finding mission about Lamar Jackson. Who knows? You didn't know about the you Lamar know, Jackson stuff, did you? It's difficult. Huh? Did you know about the Lamar Jackson stuff with Florio? Yeah, yeah I had heard about okay. it. Okay. I had heard about it. Uh, it's difficult to see the Ravens trading him to Washington. <laughs> for parochial reasons, if nothing else. You really? You think for uh, parochial reasons? Why? It's two completely separate markets. Uh, no, they're not. They're not two completely separate yeah. markets. Go and, go and PG Howard and Androne County. <sighs> You'll see they're not two separate markets. They ha- meld ha- together Howard, more than yes. ever. Howard, yes. No. Okay, you haven't been in a sporting goods store in PG County lately. <laughs> no, I haven't. Have <laughs> okay. you? Have you? Well, yes, I have because I've checked this out. Uh, I mean, and there's more Ravens jerseys available, at least from what I can see, mm-hmm. for sale than there are Redskins or Commanders jerseys available. Okay, in PG uh, County. So, so uh, yeah. Where in PG County? At uh, Jesus, in, what's, I forget the name inside of the, the Beltway or, or outside the Beltway. Uh, well, you know what? It's interesting. It's within a few miles of the stadium, but it's outside the Beltway. Okay. I forget the name of the store. All right. Whatever. Yeah. But, but uh, I mean, I just I don't think they would trade him here. I mean, I don't think it should be the the, the overriding reason, but I think it would be, come into play. Uh, I think we can say if we're gonna if we're gonna do this that trading for Lamar Jackson. Would gin up the fan base. Oh yeah, right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I mean <laughs> that I, that would do it. That that that's that's a game changer. I mean, I think Aaron Rodgers is too. Like I made the case to you a couple of weeks ago that you know if you traded for Aaron Rodgers, it might actually increase the overall value of the team 
for the the bidders if you had Aaron Rodgers in the mix because you'd immediately immediately get a significant bump in ticket sales and merchandise, et cetera. And, and you, you'd have Bank of America putting out a new prospectus with new financials. And, and, and you'd have the, the exact same thing with Lamar Jackson. What was funny about the Florio rant yesterday, and I talked about this, is that he suggested that kind of Ron Rivera was playing possum. Like he was out there saying, we're not interested in a quarterback. And then, but he's really behind the scenes. They're going after Lamar Jackson. Well, it's not really what what Ron's mo has been. They've telegraphed the moves the last couple of off seasons. You know, they said we're going to call all thirty two. We, we're calling all thirty two teams. Quarterback, quarterback. <laughs> you know, and then they, you know, they made the effort for Russell Wilson. They they offered a lot to Seattle. They offered a lot the year before uh, for Stafford. Um, I don't think they can do the Lamar Jackson thing. I just think that there is a, you know, for the lack of a better description, spending freeze on big spends. The Snyders are not coming out of pocket, you know, $150 million in guarantees for for Lamar Jackson that would have to be put into escrow. Um, And, you know, the other thing that – that uh, Florio said and suggested was that Dan would that's he'd sign him to a five-year Deshaun Watson kind of deal to middle finger the league and the new owner. I, there's just that doesn't even make sense. Like he's trying to get the most he can get for his team. If he signed, if he traded for Jackson and then on top of that signed him to a terrible deal that you know required all of this you know money and commitment. You know, it may actually go the other way with a new owner. Um, but yeah, they, okay. Yeah, go what, ahead. What if? Yeah. Let's let's do the nightmare scenario here. He doesn't what sell if, the team. Uh, yeah, because they get Lamar Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> now, I think he's going to have to sell the team. I don't think he's going to have a choice. I mean, I think, I, think, I, I think no matter what happens, he's going to have to sell the team. But let's play that game. Let's say that doesn't happen. He has the option of, of, of keeping it. Uh, and now Lamar Jackson is his quarterback. And if you don't think it's parochial, you don't think Dan Snyder would, would just relish the chance to take the Baltimore Ravens quarterback and then win with that guy? absolutely would yeah if dan were still here though he wouldn't they wouldn't win he'd fuck it up i know i know he would he would, he would. completely he'd, mess he'd, it up he'd, he'd, he would he'd he'd he he would rechristen his yacht the uss lamar jackson <laughs> and he'd say here here's you get a set of keys too yeah he'd give him he'd give him his skipper's hat for a while and say you can wear it <laughs> You can steer the ship, you know, just like they probably do with Dan when he's on the ship and he's down there like Dwight was on the booze cruise. <laughs> you, think he, you think he wears a captain's hat? <laughs> I got Who knows? <laughs> I mean, I would think if he does, at some point a picture of that would have come out. Um, yeah. But, uh... By the way, speaking of booze cruise, I went on a booze cruise last week. I forgot to tell you. Oh, really? Well, why don't you yeah, tell me about that? Was... Why don't you tell me about that? Okay. Why don't you tell me about Montgomery, Alabama? I want to talk about the Terps win last night as well. And there's a new show coming out on Netflix in June 
uh, that if you haven't heard about, that if you haven't heard about, we will talk about that as well. We'll get to all those things right after these words from a few of our sponsors. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic. Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. This segment of the show brought to you by MyBookie. Go to MyBookie.ag. Use my promo code KevinDC, and they'll give you a deposit bonus special where what you deposit, once you bet it once, you're eligible to cash out immediately. Most books don't offer this. MyBookie does. Go to MyBookie.ag. Use my promo code KevinDC. By the way, MyBookie, odds on the first player being drafted. All right, Bryce Young is the favorite at minus 150. C.J. Stroud is at plus 320. Jalen Carter, the defensive tackle from Georgia, is at plus 650. And now Anthony Richardson is at plus 700. I've talked a lot about Anthony Richardson. If you missed Thorne Nystrom on the show yesterday, he was excellent in talking about Anthony Richardson and the other quarterbacks in the draft. He's been a guy that I've talked about since the beginning of the year. I, I, my strong opinion on Anthony Richardson is he's got a massive, massive ceiling, but he's a project as a passer, but he is a, a freak athletically. And in that story that I referenced, Tommy, in the last segment, Chris Trapasso from CBS Sports in his mock draft where he had Washington and Baltimore in a trade with Lamar Jackson coming to Washington, he had Anthony Richardson going number one overall to Indianapolis after Indy traded with Chicago. 
He is apparently the fastest climber now. By the way, at plus 700, he was he, – so that puts him at 7-1 to one right now to be the first, first pick in the draft. A few months ago, he was 100-1 to one to be the first pick in the draft. Wow. Um, mybookie.ag, use my promo code KevinDC. That, he's going to be one of the real interesting players at the Indy Combine next week because he's going to test athletically off the charts for the position. Um, all right. Uh, tell me about the booze cruise that you said you went on. Well, technically, it was a Dolphins cruise to go out and see Dolphins. Right. Uh, out, out on the water here in the Gulf. Uh, but, you know, there was a lot of beer, uh, a lot of booze, and uh, so it was sort of like a booze cruise. It didn't get out of hand. Mm-hmm or anything like that. They didn't have to tie anyone up like they did Michael in on uh, you know the <laughs> office. <laughs> and yeah. and and you know, even though I wanted to, you know, go up with the captain and drive the boat like Dwight did, you know, they wouldn't let me do that as well. Uh but uh I just it just reminded me of the booze cruise episode in uh in in the office. Do you remember who played uh, that, the real captain? On the booze cruise in the office? Yeah, Ron, Ron Ripple. What's R- his name? R- Rob Riggle. Yeah, close enough. Rob Riggle. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I remember that. That, that yeah. was, that's a. And that was. Go ahead. Well, that was the, uh, the span of shows where Jim was going out with Amy Adams. He was. He was going out with Amy Adams, and a- Amy Adams is very hot. <laughs> Amy Adams very is super hot, hot. and a- Amy Adams yeah. was not Amy Adams at that point in terms of a star. This was yeah. before she did whatever her first you know big time role was, which I don't know what it was, but yeah, Amy Adams was the um, you know came in and sold uh, purses uh, on yeah. on a day in which Michael didn't want anybody, uh, in the office selling anything until he got a look at Amy Adams. And then that became <laughs> some of the most awkward conversation in the history of the show about coffee and yeah, Starbucks. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, so but, uh, was it fun? I mean, and that cruise, it, 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 yeah, it was fun. Yeah. It was fun. We saw dolphins. Okay. You know, that was pretty <laughs> cool. It's not like whale watching. Yeah. Right. You know, uh, huh. I mean, because I mean, you could be. I, I, I've I've been in the ocean, uh, off the off of the Jersey coast, where where we saw dolphins swim, like real, like nearby. Right. So uh, that, but it, it was fun. It was fun. I, I like going out in the water. You like being on the water? <clears throat> um, not really. This is a big issue with me and the rest of my family. Um, I've never been a boat person. Uh, I, I, do I go out on boats? Yeah. Do I enjoy it when I'm out there, especially when you're with a group of friends and you're drinking and fishing or whatever? Yeah. But I've told you this before. I, I am one of those people. I get very seasick. So it's not one of my favorite things to do because it can be unpredictable. You know, if it's choppy and, you know, they decide to park the boat in, in a bunch of chop, that's not good for me. And then you're, all, you're stuck out there and you don't want to be the complainer about, hey, can we start this thing back up and pick up some speed here and maybe head back? Um, so I'm not a big boat guy. Like, But the big boats, like, I, I, by the way, when we um, 
When the kids were young, we used to go to Deep Creek Lake up in Garrett County a lot because my brother-in-law and sister-in-law had a house up there. They had a cabin. It was great. It was right on the lake. And my brother-in-law had all the toys. I mean, he had boats. And then for the winter, he had snowmobiles, four-wheelers. And to, to be truthful, when you've got three boys, that kind of weekend is more fun for them than the beach because you're doing things. You know, I prefer yeah. the beach, but you're doing things. You're fishing, you're water skiing, you're four-wheeling, the whole thing. Um, but, like, uh, he had a couple of boats, including, like, one of those big pontoon boats. Those yeah, are they're easy. They're big up there, the pontoon Yeah, boats. those are easy. Like, to me, uh, that I'll, I'll, I can hang out on one of those as long as it's not super choppy and you're moving. That's fine. But I do like the idea of booze cruises. You know, there's a lot of those downtown you know, on the Potomac, that sort of, you know, yes, there are, you know, there, you always see them pulling up right there in the inner and the, uh, at Washington Harbor, you know, to, Listen, and, we're back. We're, we're back to the discussion, a sports fix booze cruise. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm, I, I'm up for it's, it. It's, right. it's just, it's just loading up with dramamine. I mean, I, I, that's whenever I go out on a boat, it's it's not that I, I push back and say no. I'm a trooper on all that, and I just load up on Dramamine, and usually it's fine. And by the way, a little Dramamine with some alcohol, that'll get you going. Um, so there we go. Uh, so it was fun. So, um, you know, you saw a couple dolphins, and you, and, and you got yeah. hammered and probably met some new friends. Yes, all the above. All right, what about Montgomery and your trip to Montgomery, Alabama, one of the a state, a state capital, by the way, of of the state of Alabama. I know my capitals. Yeah, well, uh, okay, you're right. Very good. Uh, you know, I am. Uh, I, look, to get serious for a minute, I'm uh, a big believer in visiting civil rights museums. Right, you do that all the and, time. And uh, civil rights locations, because I'm a big believer in. Uh, you know, in acquiring as much knowledge as I can. I mean, you know, we all know what happened. We don't. We but we don't really know the details and the scope of of what happened. A lot of us. So I'm a big believer in in acquiring that knowledge because I think uh, this helps us uh, understand the issue of race. So we went to uh, Birmingham. We went to Montgomery. Right. Uh, and there's several uh, museums in Montgomery. Rosa, Rosa Parks Park Museum. Yeah. Uh, we went to the Legacy Museum, and then the National Memorial for Peace and Justice. It's a three-hour ride from here to Montgomery, so we got up there about eleven, and we only had time for two of them. But uh, let me tell you about the National Memorial for Peace and Justice. Mm-hmm. It's a memorial dedicated to uh, the legacy of enslaved black people who were terrorized by lynching. And there are, uh, there are over 800 steel monuments, one for each county in the United States, that hang down from the roof with the names of, of victims who have been lynched. And it's, it's as powerful uh, a place that I've ever been. And, I mean, I would put the Holocaust, the Holocaust Museum is, is very powerful yeah. as well, obviously. But this one was very powerful. Uh, and I, I would just recommend, uh, you know what's ironic? Okay, I know this is going to piss some people off, but that's okay. 
my wife asked me, what is, what is uh, Alabama known for? And I said, well, it's known for college football and bigotry. And, and the idea is, the, the funny part is, the bigotry is starting to pay off for Alabama. This civil rights tourism thing is a huge financial boom for the state. What, what did they it, get over a million what, people a what, year what did it that cost come you? to Alabama. What did it cost huh? you? Was the museum free or did it cost you? No, it cost me. I don't remember yeah. what it cost me. I mean, we, we had something to eat yeah. while, while we were in, in, in Montgomery. Right. Uh, but this is big business now. <laughs> you know, the, the, these places. There's over 30 uh, museums, churches, and historic sites that draw over a million people a year mm-hmm. to the state. Okay. Yeah. The ironic part is the Alabama Board of Education last year passed a law banning concepts that uh, impute fault, blame, or tendency to oppress others or need to feel the guilt or anguish to persons solely because of their race or sex. Well, i got to tell you something. You walk through this place, if you don't feel anguish at the minimum, then, then you're not human. And here's the funny part. These places were filled with school trips. Uh, <laughs> oh, I'm sure. Class trips. Yeah. They're all over the place. But yet they passed this law basically saying that this kind of stuff should not be part of the lesson. So it's just, it's just, it's just an ironic thing that this was one of the most horrible states was it the, the was, was I would guess that Mississippi had the most lynchings. Mississippi, okay, Mississippi had the most lynchings, I'm sure. It was off the charts, the number of, of lynchings that were listed for Mississippi. Mm-hmm. But Alabama was the stage. For the for the, the march from Selma to sure, Montgomery, of course, you know, so that that had be Alabama. I think really became the symbol, even though Mississippi was, I think, a, a more dangerous place to be if you were black. Uh, and it's ironic that now it's become. I mean, it, it, it's become one of the next to next to the Alabama beaches, which are a huge tourist attraction. The Civil Rights uh, Trail, as they call it, right, it's big business now in, in Alabama. And again. All that aside, uh, it, 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 it just felt right to be there yesterday. And uh, every time I leave a place like this, I am angry, but I have a better understanding of why people who have a right to be angry are angry. Yeah. Like, I'm just reading through the... And, um, like, I'll give you an example. Yeah. The last one, the last lynching in the state of Maryland was 1931. That's not that long ago. Um, I watched. So sorry something. to bring everybody down. No, no, no. But that's Be, what I, was I mean, what's interesting is on Saturday night or Friday night, whatever. Um, CNN had this uh, documentary. It was two hours on the 1921 Tulsa massacre and how that really got you know that there, there wasn't a lot learned about it really until the late 90s when they started to dig up what happened, literally dig up in graveyards um, where a lot of the bodies were built, uh, were, were buried. Because this there was this area, if my memory serves me correctly, from the other night, it was called Greenwood. It's a section of Tulsa. And it was a very um, thriving, uh, vibrant area for blacks in Oklahoma in this section of Tulsa, black owned businesses, 
um, black frequented businesses, hotels, residents, commercial, um, the whole thing. And it was a it was an incredibly thriving area. They called it. They referred to it as the Black Wall Street. Are you you're familiar with this, right? Yes, I am. Yeah, and um, yes, I am. And, you know, there was uh, there was a discussion just about sort of the lynchings that led up to it, you know, in the early 1900s. And you just said that Maryland's last lynching was in 1931. Where where did it happen? And in Princess Anne over on the Eastern Shore. Okay. I mean that's yeah. that's less than a hundred years ago. Amazing. Yeah. Um, I, I, mean, that, I that, would love to. I would love to go. To, I'm looking at the the museum that you went to right now, uh, on their website. Th- this looks like one of those powerful museums where yeah. you walk out of there like you know, yeah. I, I don't. Yeah. I, I don't know if I've ever told you this story, but um, the Holocaust Museum had just opened up, and this was early '90s. I mean, you can look it up right now. I don't know when the Holocaust Museum, I don't have a date, but I'm going to guess it was the early 90s. And Kara had gone, um, had studied abroad for a year in Spain. And one of her best friends, her name was Katrina, um, was German. Um, they had stayed in touch ever since that. And Katrina came to her. She was in our wedding party. And in fact, Kara would just, she was in Berlin recently um, and visited with her. And they became super close friends, lifelong friends. Well, anyway, it was the mid-90s, and we had literally just gotten married. And Katrina and her boyfriend, who was older um, at the time, came over to visit and stay with us. And they wanted to go to the Holocaust Museum, both German. Now, I didn't know anything about their families. Um, I would find out afterwards that his father was an SS officer. And that, you know, a lot of his relatives, you know, uh, his, his uncles and the whole thing, because he was, he was an older guy to begin with. Anyway, we go through the Holocaust Museum, and it was my first trip through it, too. It's funny how we live here, and I, most people don't go to the, uh, you know, wonderful museums and galleries, et cetera, unless people from out of town are in town and they say, hey, can we go down to the Air and Space Museum or the history of, 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 you know, the Museum of Natural History or whatever. I mean, so we ended up going to that museum. Now, he is bawling, bawling as he's going through this. And at one point I said, look, we we can go. And he said, no, no, no. We were there for three hours. We get through with it, and wow. she, she was she was moved to tears multiple times. As were we, by the way. That that was an just it's such a moving yes. museum, very powerful. <clears throat> and we get out of there, and it was 1994ish, I'm guessing. And in the theaters at that time was a movie called Schindler's List. <laughs> I said, "Hey, why don't we get a bite to eat when we walked out of there?" And there, everybody is spent. Why don't we, you know, why don't we get a bite to eat and go to Schindler's List tonight? And the, he just looked at me like I was insane. And I said, I'm, I'm kidding. I said, I, we're, it was, but I couldn't, it was, it was so interesting to see somebody that was that close to World War II from the German side and, and how, and you know, and I remember, um, I remember specifically them saying that you know, my generation, it, which was their generation, and his is older. Uh, he was an older generation. That there was still a lot of guilt. 
a hell of a lot of guilt. And and that's part of what I think came out in that walk through yeah. that museum. Anyway. Well, you know what's interesting? You you mentioned the Tulsa uh race uh massacre. Yeah. Uh I, I don't I don't know if this is the documentary that you saw, but you know who produced a documentary for the history channel on that? Ken Russell Burn. Westbrook. Russell Westbrook? What are you talking Russell, about? Russell Westbrook they produced a documentary on the nineteen twenty one Tulsa race massacre. And it was shown on the History Channel. And I think it came out in 2021. I don't understand. Is he, so he is a production company or something like that? Yes, yes. Uh, this is what I meant when I said that he's a remarkable guy off the court. Right, I know. I've we heard that. we were talking about him. I know, I've heard about and, that. And this just, but you didn't mention this. this. part of who Russell Westbrook is. No, I didn't. But, uh, yeah, he's the producer of a very powerful, I've never seen it, but I've read reviews about it. It's supposed to be a very powerful documentary. I don't know if it's the one CNN showed or not. So. Yeah. Um, it's funny that you mentioned that because the thing that I wanted to talk to you about, this Netflix thing, is actually produced by two players, a current player and a former player. So we'll get to that in a moment. Um, and I want to talk a little bit about Maryland's win uh, last night over Minnesota as well. well. We'll finish up the show with those things right after these words from a few of our sponsors. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, Tommy, tell us about Shelley's. Well, I tell you about Shelley's a lot, and one of the things that uh, makes Shelley's so special to me is that they host my event every year that I do to raise money for the D.C. Grays. The Grays are the organization that I'm part of that creates baseball opportunities for inner-city kids in the district and also runs the, the uh, RBI program for kids in the district. And Shelley's has always been a willing sponsor for the Grays and a host of my Cigars and Curveballs fundraiser that I do every year. And it's a great place to have it. Kevin's been there multiple times and is a big supporter uh, of the event. Uh, I'm bringing that up is because if you have a group uh, or want to do some kind of event, Shelley's is the place to consider. Shelley's can accommodate intimate gatherings or large-scale special events. They have two rooms, one big room in addition to the main bar room. We're usually in the second room. It's a perfect location uh, to, to host an event for people. So if you're looking for a place for your group, 
to have a special event. You want to be a big hit at your office, set up a, 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 a meeting or a party or an event at Shelly's Back Room. Just go to their website, shellysbackroom.com, for more information. Uh, they're located at 1331 F Street Northwest in the district, right in the heart of everything in downtown D.C. Yeah, Shelly's is uh, the best. Um, all right, before we get to the Terps and this new Netflix show that we both want to talk about, uh, if you were at the Eric Bieniemy press conference today, what would you ask? That's a good question. Uh, I would ask if you have any concerns about coming to an organization that has such a track record of failure. <laughs> would you want to go well, first see, with that people, one? People, no, I, I, I would recognize, look, I know the flow, ebb and flow of a press conference. I know you do. And, uh, you know, so I would recognize I let all, all the lightweights, you know, throw out their questions <laughs> okay. before yeah. I, I, would, right. I would deliver that one, Okay. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to shut down a press conference before it even starts, <laughs> okay? Yeah. Um, but that's what I would ask him. That's a legitimate question. I mean, people, I'm sure, you know, there's a lot of people when, when they say they're interviewing Washington, their they're friends in the business say, are you crazy? No doubt. That's, a, that's more likely than not a true statement. That when you end up in Washington, unless your friend in the business knows that you didn't have any other options, are you sure you want to do this? Um, But uh, I think there there are two things that I would be really interested in hearing him answer. Number one, um, the more positive, I I, I think it would be positive. I'm guessing it would be positive. I really do want to hear what he has, has to say about Sam Howell. I want to hear him describe what he has seen on tape, what he believes Sam Howell can be. I'd actually like to know what his overall thoughts on what the quarterbacks um, should look like uh, for this franchise next year. You know, there are things about the offense and stuff, whatever. I mean, he's going he's gonna to answer a, a lot of what, you know, the kind of system he wants in the whole thing. And he's going to say nice things about Terry McLaurin and all of the players that it's obvious. But then I, I do think that it's a totally justifiable question to ask him, why do you think it took this long for you to get offered a job? as either a head coach or an offensive coordinator. That is the number one storyline around Eric Bieniemy, And no one's really ever answered it clearly. Like, he hasn't. No, everybody has theorized. Everybody has talked about the rumors. And here you have him today. And he, This is going to be a press conference, by the way, that's anticipated. Uh, league-wide, people are going to be – this is the most – talked about hiring that isn't a head coach of this offseason. So I would, yes. I would want to hear in his words, and I have a guess as to how he'd answer it, um, why he thinks he, wouldn't, he hasn't been hired uh, after all of these interviews because the whole thing took on a life of its own. I think, as I said to you the other day, the one thing, unless you can prove me wrong on this, um, he hasn't done is that he has not made – the many, many interviews without getting a job offer, uh, a story himself. He has not added to it with any kind of woe is me, with any kind of that. He has put his head down and he's gone back to work for the Chiefs and by all accounts done an excellent job. And I would bet that if that question's asked today, 
um, his answer would be, I'm focused on the future. I'm glad that, you know, I'm glad that Washington's giving me an opportunity and I'm going to go prove uh, that, you know, their decision to hire me was the right one. I don't think we'll hear a lot of discussion about why or why not, even if he's got really good answers for it that may shed, you know, a, a bad light on the league or uh, certain teams in the league. I bet we won't hear that, but I'd like to see how he handles that question. That would be a good question. That's a fair question, too. I think it is. So, yeah. um, Maryland won last night. I, I will admit to all of you, I bet Minnesota last night. I bet Minnesota plus 15. And, oh and, the, and the reason I bet you're them... Cold, you're cold-hearted, man. I, you are cold-hearted. Well, no, that's that's the happiness hedge. You know, Maryland wins, but they just don't cover, and I'm, I'm fine with that. Um, I just... <laughs> I, I knew what last night going in... I say I knew. As it turns out, I was dead wrong. I thought I knew what last night was about. Maryland playing a team that they had beaten by 35 points a month ago, but a team that didn't have several of its key players when Maryland beat them 81 to 46 when they played at Minnesota. Um, Maryland coming off a loss, yes, um, but really the last time they were home was the game against Purdue, which was you know one of the best crowds they've had at Xfinity in a long time. It was a great win. It was you know his first true signature win, uh, Kevin Willard's. And I knew the place would be dead last night. I know I know this fan base inside and out. Seven o'clock start weeknight, playing the worst team in the Big Ten. Um, it just wasn't going to be the atmosphere that they had last been in in that building. So I thought there could be a little bit of a letdown there. The other team had some motivation because they got their ass kicked the last time they played, but they didn't have a couple of their really good players. And I just thought 15 was too much. I thought Maryland would come out flat and I thought they'd win the game, but they'd win by like, you know, six or seven and it'd be a small sweat when all was said and done. Well, they were actually down in the game in the first half. I mean, they were down as late as the 10-minute mark. They were down a point. And I was like, I knew. And Tommy, I was sitting there going, I'm so smart. I knew this was going to be a sweat. I knew <laughs> that they weren't going to be ready to play this game. The building is dead. You know, it's it's just one of those nights. You, you know, you're not playing a good opponent. Nobody's, you know, psyched up for it. And the last time you were there, the place was ginned up. And they're, they're, they're looking around going, what ha- where, where'd all the people go to? But from that moment on, Maryland went on a 27-7 run. They never looked back. They won by 18. I really did not have a chance to get the cover. The Terps were up by as many as 27. They shot 73.1% in the first half. For the game, Maryland shot 68.1% from the floor. The sixth best single-game shooting percentage night in program history. I mean, all of the great teams they've had, last night was number six on the list of shooting percentage. They shot 68.1%. Tommy, they only shot 47 times in the game. They made 32 of them, and they scored 88 points. This, is as in a, this was as efficient an offensive performance as you will see anywhere in college basketball. And the irony is, is that Maryland's not a good shooting team. They have been at home, and they were last night, but this is probably their one flaw 
is they have, you know, they've gone brick city on a lot of nights. I think they're 326 in the country out of 368 or whatever Division I teams in three-point shooting percentage. They were 7-13 last night. Um, they were they were really impressive against a team that had played Illinois uh, earlier uh, last weekend really tough. Um, it's a good basketball team, Maryland, right now. They are tied for third. Actually, they really are in third by themselves because they beat Indiana, so they would win the tiebreaker. Um, there are several teams that are tied with them in the loss column. Uh, Julian Reese has turned into a really good player. Uh, we've been talking about Jameer Young all year long. I mean, on a night when he only had 11 points in 26 minutes, they still, you know, blew out Minnesota. Um, it was great to see Dante Scott get back on track offensively. He had 18 points on seven of nine. You know, I, I mentioned the other day, I love him as a defender. Um, I love him as a rebounder. I just wish that he'd be more confident shooting because I don't think he's a bad shooter, but he hasn't shot well at times. He was horrendous at Nebraska, two for 16, and he comes back with a seven for nine night. Donald Carey made some shots, which was good to see him uh, see the ball go through the basket. And Maryland sitting here at 19 and nine, 10 and seven, tied for third, really in third by themselves in the Big Ten if, if you count tiebreakers. You know, on the verge of, you know, approaching kind of the six seed, seven seed line. They got a Ken Palm number of 17 in the country. Um, and they've got a massive game Sunday at home against Northwestern. <laughs> yeah. The journalists. Northwestern <laughs> is second in the Big Ten right now behind Purdue. They play Illinois tonight. If they lose the game, then Maryland and, and Northwestern will be playing with still a couple of games left next week in the regular season. They'll be playing for second place in the Big Ten, you know, as of that moment on Sunday. I, I, I promise you, since we've been in the Big Ten, there hasn't been one meaningful game played against Northwestern. This will be the first one. Chris Collins is doing a great job there. They've got a really good team. They've got a really good player in Boo Booey. Um, and... Uh, I would think that Sunday, even though it's a 12 noon start, that'll be an atmosphere in College Park because it'll be a big game for them. And I would expect they'll be like a five point favorite, four and a half, five point favorite. And I think they'll, that's a game that they can win. But what a season Willard's have having, what a season Maryland's having. Um, they've got a top 15 recruiting class coming in next year. Um, he's, you know. This was tough, you know, after the pandemic and not going to that tournament in 2020, but he's doing a hell of a job, hell of a job. And they're, they're not, you know, they don't have any NBA players on their team, I don't think. Um, and if they do, it's, you know, it's not, you know, a, a lottery pick, um, but they are, they're a dangerous team right now. They, they defend, they run, and when they're, when they're shooting the ball well, they're difficult to beat. Uh, it's going to be fun to watch them. I think they're going to have a chance to win a game or two in March. Um. Anyway, that's it on the Terps. Unless you have anything. Well, that would that would be cool. I mean, again, uh, the area is always better uh, when Maryland is good. It's yes. more fun to be a sports fan. Georgetown lost again last night. <laughs> uh, Virginia lost uh, for you UVA fans, man. It's been close. You've had a lot of close calls against some bad teams like Louisville, and last night Boston College kicked Virginia's ass. Um, the uh, yeah, I don't. I don't know what's going on with UVA. I thought I thought they got you know completely lucky in beating Duke at home when Duke didn't get a whistle for the first time in like fifty years. 
All right. Um, <laughs> so there is this show coming out in June. I think it's June on Netflix called Quarterback. And it is a production with Omaha Productions, that's Peyton Manning's company, and 2PM Productions, which is Patrick Mahomes' production company. I guess these players all have production companies now. Um, Netflix, uh, the, the show follows the 2022 NFL seasons of three quarterbacks. Patrick Mahomes, Marcus Mariota, and Kirk Cousins. And this is what they've been filming all year long. And we will get this. I don't know how many episodes. I haven't read anything about the the episode count, but it's going to be in June. I am very much looking forward to this. I do not really. Well, what, what what episode is your appearance? My my Were appearance. You yeah. <laughs> was, was, was I interviewed? I don't think it's an interview yeah. thing. I think it's more of following these guys around, right, to see what their daily lives are as quarterbacks in the NFL. Well, do they have Kirk's weekly call to you they on, on tape? They don't. They, they might have a couple of text messages back and forth, but I don't think they'll have. <laughs> I don't think they'll have a weekly call. No, there's no weekly call. Um, with Kirk, um, but actually, you know, what's this? This first of all, Netflix. Almost everything they do is great, as we as we all know. The current uh, show that everybody uh, out there, I know, a lot of you guys are watching Full Swing. I watched the first episode. I just thought it was okay. I know that the the next several episodes get much better. I just thought uh, Jordan Spieth and Justin Thomas were kind of boring in that first episode. Um, but I am looking forward to this much more so than say Hard Knocks. Unless Washington's the hard knocks team this summer. But this, to me, is very interesting. And it's not just because of Kirk, where I think you'll find um, what everybody has said about him uh, privately and, and, and publicly, which is nobody prepares more um, for this thing than he does. Um, and while he may not be a dude in the locker room, um, he's respected by everybody in the locker room because of the professionalism and the way he approaches the job. But I think the Mariota stuff could be great because remember after he came to Washington and they should have won that game, they had a chance to win that game and he played great. He was benched two weeks yeah. later for good and then basically kind of turned his back on the team on Arthur Smith and yeah, company. He did. So yeah, that, yeah. that that stuff will be interesting. And then I don't know if they take this all the way through the Super Bowl, the playoffs in the Super Bowl, but to see how Mahomes dealt with that injury, you know, during the postseason would be super interesting. Okay. And to see his relationship with Eric Bieniemy, if that's part of yes. it. Okay, here's the thing. You know, every asshole on earth now is producing a documentary. Yeah. Okay. Do you have an and idea for one? Oh, I have many ideas for one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Can you but, get it done? Uh, no, I can't get it done. Okay. I, I want to get my screenplays made, buddy. I'm still working on that. Mm-hmm. You know? All your Hollywood connections, they're not paying off for me. Uh, I don't have any I Hollywood connections. That. I told you that when I you know. asked me that three years ago. I, I, don't have any, I don't have any connections. you got more connections than I do. Okay. Maybe they just didn't well, like what they read. Well, that can't possibly be because <laughs> they're great. <laughs> okay. So what? Every asshole does a documentary uh, doc- now. Yeah. I mean, the whole idea of documentary is kind of warped right now. They're basically propaganda pieces. Now, you're not going to see anything 
about Patrick Mahomes in that documentary, and he doesn't want you to see. Yeah, well, it's his Obviously, production since company. He's the producer. Yeah. Yes. So, so this whole idea of making documentaries. I mean, the whole Derek Jeter series, the docu series, the, the Jordan one. I mean, oh well, the Jordan they, one was it's, great. It's all propaganda. The it's Jordan all propaganda. one was great. You're, it's propaganda. It's not documentary. When I grew up, a documentary. Was was an honest look at, at at inside a subject matter that was produced independently. Now all these documentaries are produced by guys who have a stake in what's said in the documentary. Right. In other words, they're propaganda. Um, well, I tell you what, the Willie Mays documentary on HBO very disappointing. Well, you know what? Propaganda. The, the documentary isn't the right way to describe it. This is an entertainment thing. It's not a documentary. I mean, documentaries can right. be entertaining, we need but to documentaries. Come up with a new word. Yeah, but is that what they're calling it? Are they calling it a, a, net, a documentary? I don't even know if they are. Yes, yes, they are. At Netflix, that, that no, word has they, lost its they're call, calling it a docu series. Okay. So okay. Um. No, I know what you're saying, but I, I'm if it if it's done if it's done well. Um, which Netflix seems to do everything well, um, I have a feeling it'll be entertaining. And that's all I care I'm about. I'm sure it'll be entertaining. I, t- I, t- I mean, this isn't I t- Ken Burns doing it. I know. I just feel insulted sometimes when, when they call these things documentary, like I'm some kind of idiot. I don't know that you're not showing me anything that you don't want me to see. Um, so. What's the... Uh, what's Dope Sick was the last... That was probably called a docu-series as well. Um, I don't think that was a docu-series. That might be a docu-drama. Well, but it was many episodes, which is why I would yeah. describe it as a series. Yeah, I mean, look, at, but, but you see, if, if they're calling the, Kirk, the, the quarterback thing a docu-series, <laughs> you're not having actors playing Patrick Mahomes and Kirk no, uh, Cousins. No, no, you're not. That's true. That's true, of course. Right. Okay. Um, so it's not. It was. It was more of just a drama, right? A drama, probably a right. drama mini, uh, a dra- drama series, or a drama mini series. Yeah. That was good though. Uh, and yes, it, it was, was sort of. Good. It was sort of document. It, it, it was sort of a a bit of a documentary like drama, because it was all true. I, I got the book as a result. It's on my list of things to read. I haven't gotten to it yet. Okay. Um, anything else? Uh, we're getting this out before B enemy, so we won't be commenting on B enemy as we said at the beginning. That's starting here in about five minutes. So we're done for the day unless you've got anything else, boss. Well, I mean, look, boss. I mean, people will be able to tune in tomorrow to listen to comments about the enemy with with Corey. I think that I think that might happen. <laughs> we're done for the day. Back tomorrow. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. 
the trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.